Welcome to the Overdrive Radio Podcast for Friday, November 8th. I'm Todd Dills, and today we'll hear from a small fleet owner based in Canton, Michigan. I finally got the opportunity to meet in person last week here at the annual conference of the National Association of Small Trucking Companies. The man is, in his own words, well... I'm a very opinionated SOB. I have loved trucks since I was three years old, possibly even two, because I think I used to breathe diesel fuel for my grandfather's truck. (laughs) Um, So I take offense at anything that seems to offend trucking or truck drivers. I take it to heart. I grab a baseball bat and I chase it down the street like I'm in the boroughs of the Bronx of New York. Jokes aside, his name is Leander Richmond. And if his voice sounds familiar, you're not imagining that. We've had him on the podcast in the past as he's been quite outspoken on numerous issues, particularly when it comes to contract shenanigans, brokers try to play with carriers. Search his name at overdriveonline.com. That's Leander, L-E-A-N-D-E-R, Richmond, to find those past podcasts and more. I've written about him and his indeed baseball bat-like efforts to fight the egregious practice of booting trucks, particularly successful when booters violate local ordinances, that govern their businesses, or in one recent case he'll detail later, didn't even have a contract with a particular property owner to be doing what he was doing on the property. Local and or state laws around booting and towing vary considerably, as he's most certainly found in his efforts to raise awareness among truckers and law enforcement about the more predatory boots in that business. We'll get to see what he sees as a possible solution, the uniform law that might eliminate the particular condition booters are often most uh, most often taken advantage of. The fact that there's a sleeping human with money inside the vehicle they're attempting to hold hostage. Before we get there, though, a little more about the Eagle Express Small Fleet Owners Initiation in Trucking after a youth in Minnesota. Oh, I got into trucking. Um, I was working as a, um, a gentleman hired to protect ladies while they were working... Um, in a bar. <laughs> I guess you could say I was a bouncer. And I saw an ad in the paper. Now, mind you, I always wanted to be a truck driver. And it's just that when I hit that age of 21, 22, I was pretty much doing nothing with my life. And I saw an ad in the paper. Back then, we actually read paper papers. And it said, now hiring truck drivers, no experience required. So I filled out an application and didn't think anything about it. About a month later, I get a call from a gentleman named Kelly Anderson from CFI. said, hello, Leander, we're having trouble verifying your references. And I said, what do you mean having trouble verifying my references? He said, no one knows who you are. And that was when I realized that going by my middle name my entire life was a huge problem because no one knew my first name. Um, So anyway, once we got that straightened out, he verified. A month later, I'm in truck driving school. Two months later, before I even realized that I'm at CFI in Joplin, Missouri, short time later I'm driving and then one day I was alone in the truck and I went back to take a nap and I looked at the ceiling and went holy cow how did this happen from there <laughs> I just saw it as an opportunity to go up 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 and up and just give us a brief profile of the Eagle Express we've got 12 trucks all step deck Conestogas we're in a specialized segment that's pretty much it for that and you're in, you're in Michigan, Canton, Michigan? Yes, sir, Canton, Michigan. As I intimated earlier, re- regular readers of Overdrive will recall Richmond's effort, uh, you might even call it a veritable crusade at this point, to fight what he sees as the totally out-of-hand practice of booting trucks when those trucks' drivers and or owners are in them. 
It happens all across the nation, and we've written about several instances of such, of course, over the years. Here's what he calls it. Stealing from truck drivers. Let's call it what it is. Let's call it legalized stealing from truck drivers where police departments um, are uneducated in how to protect truck drivers, and they simply don't care to because it's one less thing that they have to do. So let's, let's just call it what it is. It's stealing. I had reported on that. Uh, you, you set up a site for crowdsourcing of a variety of, um, I think, primarily booting, uh, but also towing incidents I think you were asking for there, um, just to, with the intent of kind of collecting as much information as you could about where this kind of stuff is happening. I was wondering if you could give us a little bit of update on on how that's gone. Um, have you had any any progress in sort of mapping out some of the problem areas for this and uh, you know what's the goal ultimately I guess no we've been contacted by four different people the biggest oh, okay. the biggest problem it was a uh, reporterboot.com but the biggest problem with that is that this is happening to people they feel isolated they get yelled at on the radio by some of these drivers that don't understand what's really going on and they don't know where to go for help they don't realize that they can get help and you know quite honestly they lose their five or six or seven hundred dollars and they think okay now I have to make it up I don't have time to fight this or go back at it so we you know it, it's really a screwy situation I mean I, I had a conversation with a Maria police officer Maria Kentucky police officer about the Walmart incident because we had a, another truck there and I'm talking to this cop and I'm explaining to him that these people are under contract with the Walmart store at, at, as it was told to us by the booter themselves that they are supposed to try and wake the driver up which seems consistent with most trespass laws. You give the people an opportunity to correct the trespass. He insisted that yes they have told him that they have they wear body cams to prove that they actually try to wake the drivers up. We have video showing that they tap on the truck extremely lightly. They don't, they don't make any attempt to wake him up. And I asked this officer if he could just check the body cam to see if, they, if he tried to wake our driver up. His response was, yes. I asked them about it, and they told us that it was an electronic media, and he had to go through our corporate office. So he made no real effort to try and verify what these people are doing. And this is what truck drivers are up against. You know, every time we get law enforcement involved, except in the case of North Carolina, they actually arrested the guy down there. Yeah, t tell me about that story. I was wanting to, to get you to tell that one because I think that's one. I don't think I've written about that one, and folks don't really know about that one. But that one has a that one actually, unlike these the Berea situation where you you clearly not getting the cooperation of law enforcement down in North Carolina, you actually did. In North Carolina, um, driver, I think that one was sixteen hundred dollars. Drivers arguing. Um, I found that find out about it the next morning. Immediately, I start looking into it. I contact the property owner. Find out that the, I'm sorry. I tried to contact the property owner, but before I did, the police had already made contact with the property owner, and they found out that the property owner had not given anyone permission to work on his lot. So they did a little bit more research. They collected all of the information that we had. And they sought a warrant and arrested this guy. Turns out he's, he had been doing this on multiple lots. So he's out there basically, not basically, actually stealing directly from truck drivers. What makes it 
doubly bad or triply worse, however you want to say it, was that the police were actually called that night and facilitated his boot. His, the police were there and facilitated his illegal boot because they don't have the information necessary to put a stop to this. So what you're saying is that the night before this man, the, the booter himself was arrested, uh, the police were actually actually helping him uh, with his boot uh, of your driver's truck. Oh no, no. Let's say it. Let's say it like it is, Todd. They didn't help him with the boot. He helped them collect our money. Okay. Actually, he helped them collect our driver's money. Um, and, and not to skip ahead, but that's why we really need politicians to make it illegal in writing to touch an occupied vehicle, period. Um, doing that would give law enforcement all over the country what they need to address this situation. There, there's no reason that a guy should be sleeping in his truck or a girl should be sleeping in their truck and have somebody knock on it and demand 500 or in what I've seen, $1,600 and even in one case, $2,400 just for parking. And parking situation is... is, is Difficult. Uh, nearly everywhere you go, um. it's man-made. This problem, this problem was created through partially through attrition and growth of our economy, and the other part is through regulation, uh, the ELD mandate. Which I'm all for the ELD mandate. I think it's great. I wouldn't want to get rid. I love it. I love ELDs. No more paper. I love it. Um, it hasn't hurt us. It hasn't hurt us in a major way. Um, I think it has helped. But the ELD situation has created a problem where drivers can no longer keep going until they can find a place acceptable or where they won't be bothered. Now they have to shut down. And I've heard this, you know, I hear all of these guys say, well, they should plan their trip better. Well, how are you supposed to plan on stopping somewhere when there's nowhere to stop? Truck stops are all full. Everything else is private property. You're taking a chance every night, and in some states, you're taking an expensive chance. What do you do? Um, and I hear a lot of drivers, uh, unfortunately, it's disheartening when I hear drivers say, drivers not take a defensive stand on this when they actually attack the drivers and go, well, it's private property. Well, yeah, it's private property, but that doesn't mean someone should have the right to extort you. $1,600? That's probably two weeks worth of take-home pay just because you set the brakes on your truck. That's ridiculous. And I can't imagine that that was the intent of any law that was ever created. I mean, if, if, if these guys were doing it like they should, give the driver an opportunity to get up and move, right, before uh, you, you decide to hold the hostage uh, their truck. But... From, from your standpoint, it's, you, it sounded to me like you would favor law that went farther than that. Actually, actually no. Okay. no, no. Almost every, I've, I've spoken to, I'll bet you, 20 different police officers, some very high ranking, and I start the conversation off like this. Hey, is it illegal to tow a vehicle with a person inside of it? Absolutely it is. Can you find me the law? Uh, sure, hang on. There are a few municipalities, I think I've found four that are, they, obviously they did what should be done. They made it illegal. 
So if the driver's inside the vehicle, because all of those communities have booting ordinances, and obviously that was a huge problem, so they said if the driver's in the thing, you wake him up, you tell him to move. Trespass. There you go. It's a very simple thing, but good luck getting any of our senators or anyone else to understand it's a federal issue. It needs to be done across the entire country, not state by state by state. Or by city by city by city. Yeah, Yeah, worse, exactly. Because technically there's not a state that I found that makes it illegal. And you have not been, I know you have been reaching out to uh, your representatives in Michigan and others, I believe. Uh, on this particular issue, which you know, the the notion, the notion would be that there's a federal, there would be a federal law that made that that would ex- address towing and booting specifically of occupied vehicles, um, and you have not gotten very much response from that, right? Oh, not much response. <laughs> the response that I've gotten could be described as absolutely useless and non-existent. I don't know what it takes to get a senator's attention. Maybe you have to lose a cat in a tree or maybe, uh, you know, put a window in an old folks home or something, but they don't seem to take on any real issues that are affecting people. You know, it's, I, I, I've written letters to senators, I've contacted uh, attorney general's offices, and I always get the same thing. Um, that's not my issue. Contact these people. Well, I contact those people. They say, oh, it's not my issue. Contact these people. Where, where, what are you? What is your job if it's not to identify problems that people bring to you and address them, instead of just passing them along? I can imagine it would be something that's palatable not only to uh, people in trucking, but uh, people in all kinds of uh, anybody that owns a vehicle, anybody, anybody that works in a vehicle, I should say. This does not happen to cars. This does not happen to campers. This does not happen to any other vehicle other than commercial motor vehicles. And you know why it happens to commercial motor vehicles? I actually want to hear you say no. No. Okay. I'll tell you. Because they know that there's a company behind them that wants their truck and their trailer back. They're going to hold it for hostage. They know they're going to get paid. They know there's access to cash and they can get it. How else do you explain demand? I guarantee you, if they had to rely on the driver for money, they wouldn't be expecting $2,400. If, if it is not something that will be of interest to anyone, uh, of direct interest to anyone outside of trucking because it doesn't necessarily happen to them, uh, how do you make it, make it interesting to them? Because I kind of think that's where you, that's what you need to do uh, to get the attention of the representatives. Honestly, that's going to take a bigger brain than mine. Um, the fastest way to get people to understand that trucks are out here is simply to, and, and I'm not advocating for this, it's going to cause too many problems. But if we did what they did over in the other country and every truck driver just shut down, people would say, whoa, what's the problem? Oh, who are these guys? Trucking companies, trucks, what's their boggle? then we might get some attention. It's not going to happen. I don't expect it to happen. I'm I'm not pushing for that, okay? Um, To answer your question, I don't know how to get, you know, I'm, you know, lobbyist. So basically, what do we do? Throw money at the problem? That's the way this country works. Or maybe, maybe what we should do is find a senator who's got a son that's driving a truck and boot his truck. (laughs) Then it'll happen. (laughs) 
wonder. They might be out there, those senators or representatives or, you know. Yeah, you find me one, I will travel, wait for him to park, and I'll boot his truck, even though, even though I won't eventually, I'll eventually not get paid, and there'll be a big hoopla, at least it'll get the attention it deserves. Uh, we certainly do not advocate anyone get into the um, uh, renegade booting business just to push an agenda, but uh, you get the point, you get the point. It helps the cause, you know. <laughs> I, again, it's not for the money, it's for the cause. How's business for you guys lately? Don't you read some of your own articles? <laughs> Dude, it's trucking. It's trucking in 19 or 2019. It is a uh, business is great. We've got more freight than we can shake a stick at, and we're getting everything at $25 a mile. Insurance <laughs> rates are down to uh, 10 cents per mile per truck, uh, up to 5 million in cargo. <laughs> been a tough year if you you guys seen you guys are seeing what everybody else is seeing you you would do work with a lot of brokers right i work with brokers you, you really want to take me down there don't you i love brokers todd <laughs> i think brokers are the greatest thing since i don't know a stick in the eye <laughs> they're in the middle of our business okay they some of the asset based brokers generally or i won't say generally asset based brokers in my experience they get it it's these guys who go out and there were college students working for uh, companies that have a, a total interest in the industry. And you've got this guy on the phone who knows nothing about trucks, has no interest in trucks. He just wants to feather a load from through his computer so that he can get his scrape his 75 or $100 off of it. He doesn't make any real uh, or I should say he has no real obligation and he's promising things that he expects you to deliver or me to deliver. Uh, most of the time that is in accessorials. And again, you've heard me say this before. I tell them all up front, don't make any promises that you cannot keep. Trucking 2019. You know it. Thanks to Leander Richmond for walking us through some of these efforts. You can find Richmond via the website for his Eagle Express small fleet. That's eagleexp.com, eagleexp.com. Finally, a window into one of my conversations with participants in That's a Big Ten Four on D.C., which happened early last month on the National Mall in Washington. This talk introduces a little bit of the history, stretching back into the 1980s and the long development of the business of independent German Soweth of Frederick, Maryland, particularly for those who missed my video walk around with his truck published a couple weeks back. And that truck? It's a seasoned flat top beauty of a 1998 model. He's more than a little modest. Yeah. Jane W9 that uh, works hard and she's done well. Nothing nothing spectacular about it. I, I wanted it plain Jane and uh, you know I just purposely went with, with less chrome on it and I just, I just like old working trucks. I like old trucks. Mm -hmm, sure. So to me uh, like some of my old antiques, I have spoked wheels on them, and then you, know, you just paint the wheels. You know, the chrome was the gray paint and stuff like that. So I'm just old school. Uh, my name is German Soweth, Frederick, Maryland. Okay. Yeah, we're the home of Francis Scott Key. Okay. Good. He's buried in our town, hometown. Good. I started as a lumper. I uh, always wanted to be a truck driver. I ran into an independent contractor. He ran for a distributor freight out of Chicago, Illinois, and I just told him I wanted to be a truck driver and. Um, 
told him I would work for $20 every 24 hours. <laughs> so every 24 hours he had to hand me a $20 bill and I would do anything on that truck to learn about trucking. His name is Richard Werner. Richard Werner. And was it around where you grew up? On yes, I, I grew up in Silver Spring, Maryland, and okay. he, he was based in Silver Spring, Maryland. Uh, refrigerated freight, LTL refrigerated freight. Okay. So I was, I was basically, if it was four boxes off the trailer, three boxes or a whole pallet, I'd have to, if we pulled up to a curbside, it was my responsibility to get it from wherever it was on the trailer to the back end and then down onto the ground. Right. So he, he made me do all that to try to really educate me. I learned to drive. He would. Uh, he was so impressed at my eagerness for it that that if he backed into a loading dock, he would tell me to pull forward, shut the doors. Then he would tell me to pull a little bit further forward and shut the doors, and then he'd finally meet me up at the front gate, drive the truck up there. Yeah. So that's how I started going, and then from there we, we aggressed to go get the my driver's license and everything like that. Yeah. So then I started instead of getting in the semis right away, he had a, a little straight truck. Okay. So when he would come in, I was still in high school. And when he would come in and other drivers would come in from Chicago or out west, we would back that straight truck up to their trailers, unload in parking lots, and I would pedal the D.C. area so they didn't bring semis down into Georgetown and the city here and stuff. They could stay more on the out in suburbia land. Right. And then I would meet them back up in, like, Frederick, Maryland and give them the bills and sign all the papers over, and we'd move, you know, they would go back out west again. Right. At 21, I drove truck locally, dumped trailers for, for... couple different guys Richard and a couple other guys and then by 21 I felt like I had learned enough from their mistakes in the sense as I like to say (laughs) so at 21 I went out and I purchased a truck uh, locally and I ran I leased on to a guy in Frederick Maryland to get me in the quarries and then that ran until I guess about the early 90s and I obtained my own authority in 92 and at that point I just took off I bought this truck in 1997 I I started out with a an 82 cab over international and then I went to an 85 freight liner and then uh, I finally moved into this one by the time I was 31 I wanted to purchase my own truck and this is a 97 97 it was built in 97 it's titled as a 98 you know nothing's really original on it too much anymore but yeah the engine's been redone short block about a year ago I broke the crankshaft that about two million miles the crankshaft finally broke I think I'm on my third transmission second set of rears and stuff like that so i don't really run that much anymore i just run about just shy of eighty thousand miles a year okay so i try to keep it low and put more money in my pocket try to make every mile be profitable i I try keep i run about seven hundred dollars a month payment i'm always doing something with it so it it, it, maintenance wise maintenance wise i have a line of credit so you know things need to be done different like fuel pumps or whatever so it goes onto my line of credit and then i just pay off as i go along so I keep us about a $700 a month truck payment on it is basically what I'd say. He's done good. Nice looking light bars and the fuel tanks look uh, like they're pretty, well, that's pretty a, new. That's, that's a new tank on this side, yeah, so finally the aluminum just got too, too worn out for okay. it, so I had to purchase a new tank for it, but she needs a paint job, but uh, I just, just keep her going. I always <laughs> say she makes as much money as a new truck so, <laughs> yeah. without the big payments and stuff like that. I don't know how the, the drivers do it with the, with the rates that, that they are these days. So, yeah. you know, they got to do a lot of running. Yeah. So. What do you haul typically? I'm a end dump. I run over the road end dump. Okay. So bulk material in a sense. So agriculture and alloys, etc. Going, no. going long distances on, on particular loads or staying pretty... Uh, I try to tend to stay Chicagoland East. Okay. I don't do any New England, don't do any New York or anything. Uh, farthest west I'll go is Pueblo. 
you know, out that way, Texas and stuff like that. But it usually has to be paying decently, and I have to know the customer to be able to get me the round back. Right. So, but usually, you know, Chicago lands the furthest I'll go. Right. Tell me, um, so you mentioned um, before we were talking on this thing, um, kind of your involvement here. Like, how did you first hear about? Um, the Tim Ford on DC event, and um, why did you why did you want to get involved? What's it mean to you? Well, I got involved. I heard it through Fred since I lived in the area. Fred Me and Fred had been in contact. We met at an antique truck show many years ago. Oh, okay. So uh, we're both in antiques, and he got me involved. He told me about it. I read about it and started believing in what they said. And I was like, okay, I'm going to give it a chance, shot. And it was an opportunity to park my truck on the National Mall. Yeah. I mean, you can't beat that. I mean, if you don't do anything else, you're on the National Mall <laughs> looking at your your Congress and your Senate, and you can go up there and talk to them if you want. So if you have yeah. a gripe, do it, it the right way. Have, I run this W9, and I got a uh, W9000 Ford cab over, oh, yeah. and then I got a um, 79K100, which would be a cab over KW. Yeah. So I have those three trucks right now so you don't run those other ones the k what the k100 is going to be it's it's going to be on the road okay. be a working truck it's going to be tagged commercially here hopefully with by next year okay. so are you going to be running these up you're going to have another driver no i'm going to just run it myself so yeah. the, that will be my backup truck and it'll be a, a more of a springtime summertime truck and then this this one here will be the winter time truck yeah. so the workforce until next time keep the conversations rolling you can Dial in with a story tip or a comment via our podcast message line at 530-408-6423. That's 530-408-6423. Until next time, stay pro out there.